Section 19 of The Junior Classics, Volume 6, Old-Fashioned Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brooke Favorite, www.alongsidemom.com. The Junior Classics, Volume 6, Old-Fashioned Tales, Section 19. Brida's Dreadful Scrape by Mrs. E. M. Field Brida was awakened from her pleasant morning sleep by a strange sound. Her window was partly open, but something struck against the upper sash. It was not a bird that had lost its way, nor a wasp come to look for jam, for as Brida raised her head, something that could only be a handful of light gravel or shot struck the window again, and at the same time a clear, shrill whistle sounded outside. Brida hastily sprang up. One does not care much about dress at nine years old, so in white nightdress and dark twisted hair she fearlessly put her head out of the window, and saw to her delight her cousin Maurice Gray, a boy some two years younger than herself, with his queer ugly little Scotch terrier Toby standing on the lawn. She need not be sad for want of a playmate to-day. "'Get up and dress,' cried Maurice. "'Aren't you ashamed, my lady, lie in bed? Come out directly.' Brida did not need a second invitation. A very short time indeed passed before she was by Maurice's side. His father had brought him over, he said. His father wanted to see Grandfather about some business, so he had started off very early. Maurice was dreadfully hungry, and as the grannies never breakfasted till ten, he and Brida each got a thick slice of bread and jam from the good-natured cook, and then went off to the garden, Brida running races with Toby, who mostly had the best of it, you see, he had four legs to Brida's, too. They went to the vinery and acted a little play, which, however, wanted a few more actors, sadly. It was so puzzling for Brida to be both the imprisoned princess and the ogre at once, and when Maurice, the valiant knight, slew Toby for a dragon and stepped over his corpse, or would have done if Toby had been a little more dead, and not run away every other minute, it got really puzzling, and it was well that the breakfast bell rang at that moment. Breakfast was rather a long, dull affair. Uncle James, Maurice's father, explained to Grandfather a great deal about a drainage scheme, and Grandmother, every five minutes, asked her maid Martha, who stood behind her chair, to tell her what it was all about, which Martha had to do in very loud whispers over and over again. Maurice and Brida were very glad to run out again, with special directions from Grandmother to keep off wet grass and not get into mischief. This, they thought, could not possibly happen— this time they rambled into the farmyard. Brida would not look for more kittens, but tried to make friends with some small balls of fluff, which meant some day to be turkeys. At one corner of the yard was a deep tank, or little pond, full of a dark brown, rather thick fluid, which was used in the garden and fields, and had a great effect in the way of making things grow. Brida and her cousin stood looking at it. "'I declare,' said Brida, "'it's like the sticks.' "'I don't see any sticks.' said ignorant Maurice, who had never learned that the old heathens believed that souls of dead people went in a ferry-boat across a dark river called the Styx, and that the old man who rowed the boat was called Charon. Brida thought it would be capital fun to act this little scene. Certainly the treacle-coloured stuff in the pool looked nasty enough to do very well for this dark river. As to Maurice, he was younger than his cousin, and when they were together she always invented the games— although he had been to school already, and thought girls generally were very little use. 
so when bryda explained what she wanted to do he only said that he did not know how to act a story that he had never heard to which bryda only answered quietly and as if it were a fact no one could think of doubting for a moment you don't know anything about anything maurice sit down there no not on a cabbage but on the wheelbarrow and i will tell you all about it so she told him the story in the middle of which the wheelbarrow upset because maurice laughed so he sat on a log of wood and bryda picked up the wheelbarrow got into it and began in the words of one of her lesson books with a little alteration to suit the occasion friend roman countryman lend me your ears i am charon what asked maurice don't spoil my speech you may only say hear hear as they do in parliament but suppose i don't want to hear bryda had no notion of what they would do under such unlikely circumstances so after thinking a little she merely said don't be silly maurice and that sort of answer puts an end to any argument quite easily this is my dog cerberus with three heads went on bryda pointing to toby my what a lot of bones he would eat said his master bryda suddenly jumped down from her rather unsteady pulpit oh we will have fun here maurice put on my white pinafore you shall be a ghost and i will get into the tub with my dog cerberus and ferry you over the river she said it won't hold too said maurice looking rather doubtfully at the rotten tub which bryda pushed into the filthy waters making a splash and a most horrible smell as it went in oh ghosts don't want much room now cerberus in you go and in the poor dog went hastily and ungracefully being in fact thrown in head foremost after one howl he resigned himself and lay down at the bottom of the tub into which unsteady boat bryda armed with her own small spade followed with maurice's help having balanced herself by crouching down so as to bring the centre of gravity to the right place she proceeded to paddle or as she called it to row with a little wooden spade splashing a good deal and of course making the tub turn round and round and wriggle very uncomfortably in the pool well it doesn't matter said charon giving up in despair and looking very red in the face we can pretend i crossed the sticks to fetch you now i must speak to the soul in latin because of course charon and cerberus talked latin always i suppose cerberus barked in latin all three mouths at once said maurice what a horrid row it must have been now talk away said bryda but we don't know latin i've only just begun it hic hike hawk that doesn't matter we must make it up of course if we put us or o at the end of every word it will sound exactly like the stuff cousin ronald learns now pour us sol us do us you us want o to cross over o yes o replied maurice promptly then us come o o o screamed bryda making the last word very long indeed for she trod on the one tail of the dog cerberus causing that remarkable animal to jump up howling charon's ferry-boat was not built to allow of athletic sports on board so it went over and bryda went in oh dear what word can describe the filthy mess into which bryda was plunged up to her waist the smell of it and the chill horrible feeling fortunately she had just taken maurice's hand to help in the soul who indeed felt very lucky to escape such a voyage maurice was able to help her but soaked to the waist and ready to cry she scrambled up to dry land by way of mending matters the dog cerberus who may be supposed to have become toby again had gone in altogether and was rather pleased with himself 
so he came and had a good shake close to Brida, so as to splash all the rest of her small person, and then ran round and round, expressing his delight by all sorts of queer noises. But, oh, here was a mess, and this, after the trouble of yesterday, and all Brida's good resolutions, it was too dreadful, and tears came fast to her eyes. But kind Maurice, instead of laughing, pitied her. "'Don't cry,' he said. "'Can't you wash?' "'I might run,' said Brida dolefully, remembering what dreadful things happened to frocks that ran. "'That stuff might run off,' said Maurice. "'Come on.' And she followed meekly to the nearest greenhouse, where was a large tub of fresh water, and beside it a big squirt or syringe used for watering plants high up in the greenhouse. "'Oh, Maurice, dear, I will never call you stupid again,' cried Brida, delighted, as Maurice filled the syringe and set to work upon her. What fun that was! It was almost worth the fright of that horde splash, and almost, not quite perhaps, worth the disgrace Brida would certainly be in with nurse. Such peals of laughter followed each shower that the quiet cows in the fields beyond lifted up their great heavy heads and stared with brown eyes of mild astonishment. Can you imagine the sort of figure Brida was when Grandmother came out in her wheelchair to take a turn in the sunshine? Soaked from head to foot, streams of clean water, and others of the horribly smelling stuff into which she had plunged, pouring off her in all directions. She did indeed look a miserable little guilty thing, hanging her head while Grandmother looked at her through her gold eyeglass, evidently so surprised and shocked that she could find no words for a few minutes, and at last could only tell her she must never, never, never do such dreadful things again. If she did, the consequences would be— Reader's note. A row of stars appears here. End reader's note. This row of stars must stand for those dreadful consequences, for Bryden never heard them. Uncle James and Grandfather had come up by this time, and she fled as fast as wet clinging clothes would let her to the house. It was out of the frying-pan into the fire, though, for Nurse's wrath was really something too dreadful and the way in which she ended, by saying that she supposed Miss Brida would like better to make mud-pies in the streets than to play with other Christians, hurt the child's feelings dreadfully. I'm sorry to say she walked out of the nursery with damp, smooth hair and a clean frock, but with her head so very much in the air that her namesake, St. Bride, or Bridget, or Brida, would have been quite shocked. You see, Cousin Salome, she said afterwards, it was such a dose of disgraces, and I meant to be so wise and clever and useful. Did you ask to be made wise and clever and useful? asked Salome gently. Brida hung her head. She had forgotten that. I'm afraid she dressed so quickly in the morning to join Maurice that she never remembered to ask the helper of the helpless to make her what she would like to be. I've been so miserable, cousin Salome, she added. I don't believe Mary, Queen of Scots, could have been more wretched if she had had her head cut off three times running. How this was to be managed did not seem to strike Brida as puzzling. She and Maurice had so often acted the execution of Mary of Scotland, with an armchair for the block and an umbrella for an axe, that they were quite used to the Queen having her head cut off very often, without minding it in the least, or being any the worse for it afterward. But certainly it is very tiresome when our most amusing games end in some mischief that we never dreamed of doing. It was not so very long before this dreadful accident in the tub that Brida, who had been reading English history, told Maurice they would act King Canute and his courtiers on the seashore. 
so she put two chairs and collected all the water she could from every jug and water bottle she could find so as nearly to fill a bath placed in front of the two chairs on which she and maurice sat so they put chairs close by the seashore as the tide came in related bridda and the little waves came nearer and nearer and the courtiers said o oh, king let us move a little higher up but canute said why should we did you not say i was such a great king that no doubt even the sea would obey me and the courtiers held their stupid tongues for they knew very well that they had said so but the tide kept on coming and presently the courtiers got up and ran away for the water was halfway up the legs of their chairs and they had already been sitting with their knees up to their noses but here bridda trying to get herself into this graceful position lost her balance and rolled off her chair falling on the edge of the bath which of course upset and made a higher tide in the nursery than had ever been seen there before for the water flowed in every direction and the children ashamed and frightened though they were could not help laughing at the way in which a pair of bridas shoes floated about like little canoes till one that had a hole at the side turned over and went down this happened at bridas own home before her father and mother went away mother was not pleased of course but still she was not quite so dreadfully shocked as the grannies were at the adventure in the old tub End of section nineteen